if last week's story was about Jesus creating a reconciling space for his friends to recognize his wounds by showing up in the locked up tight places where they were hiding, meeting Thomas and all the rest exactly where they were. Our story today continues that theme of Jesus creating a reconciling space. This time it's on a beach by a charcoal fire grill. And this time it's Peter who gets met exactly where he is. And where Peter is, is back on a fishing boat, back to the routine that he had known before Jesus called him, probably by this same lake three years earlier, to drop his nets and follow. Peter might be back in that same boat, but he is not the same person that he used to be. So much of Peter's life had been wrapped up in Jesus' life. Peter was one of the first disciples. He proclaimed Jesus as the Son of God, the Messiah, before any of the others. He walked on water. He saw Jesus transfigured on a mountaintop. He promised to stay by Jesus' side, even unto death. And yet Peter's courage failed catastrophically around another charcoal fire on the night of Jesus' arrest. And I imagine he was on that boat, expecting to spend the rest of his life running away from that last searing memory. Hey, I saw you with Jesus. You're one of his followers. No, no, I'm not. I swear I don't even know him. So today we find Peter back at what he knows. It's often the case that the repetition of familiar rituals helps restore some shape and order when confusion and chaos overwhelm us. I think that's one reason why liturgy and worship can be so comforting when there is such a loss, a break in how we structure and order our lives. And so I think this return to fishing on Peter's part can be considered a tremendous act of courage, a sign that Peter intended to keep on living, to move on and find meaning and purpose again after such life-changing events. But one of my favorite things about this story is that the risen Jesus is found or recognized in the midst of our determination to live courageously, even in routine. That Jesus shows up just when we think all is lost and reminds his friends and disciples of what they are to do. Jesus calls out to Peter and the gang, Cast your nets to the right side of the boat. Let down your nets one more time. I know you've not caught a thing. I know you're exhausted, but try one more time. See what happens. And so in obedience to Jesus' command, they looked differently at what they were doing. 
they cast their net from a different side of the boat. And the waters that had previously been thought barren are now teeming with life and sustenance. And it was then that they recognized it was Jesus. So Jesus blesses in the midst of the everyday, the boring, the repetitive. Jesus blesses in the aftermath of trauma and grief and in the apparently fruitless work done in obedience to his call. When Peter recognized that it was Jesus, all those memories probably came flooding back. Yet he jumped into the water to reach Jesus faster, even though he was soaking wet when he got to Jesus, sat around another charcoal fire, able to look into the eyes of the Lord he had denied three times. And here again, three questions. These three questions of Peter reveal a lot that I think our English translation misses. Stay with me for just a little bit. I'm going to give you a Greek lesson, but it's important. We know that in Greek there are multiple words for love. English, we have the one. We can love cheeseburgers as much as we can love our spouse. It's the same word. But in Greek, what you use for the word love matters. And so the first time, first two times that Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? Jesus asks, do you agape love me? And Peter replies, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Except Peter's word for love is phileis. Agape is unconditional love. The kind of love Jesus has for Peter and God has for us and the whole world. It never runs out. It never goes away. But phileis is a form of familial or brotherly love. They're not on the same level. So Peter was unable to rise to the level of commitment that Jesus was asking with agape. But Peter could say, I love you like a brother. Is that enough? And so the third time, when Jesus asked that question, do you love me, Peter, the third time, Jesus uses the word phileis. Do you love me like family? Do you love me like a brother? Rather than heaping shame and guilt on Peter at such a fraught time, holding him to the level of showing love that Peter just couldn't manage at that time, Jesus comes down to Peter's level and says, that's okay then, Peter. We'll start here. That Jesus was prepared to forgive after such a terrible denial I find remarkable. But that he was willing to reinstate relationship and do it at the pace of the one who had denied him, I find astonishing and incredibly moving. But that is the nature of Jesus. That is the nature of grace. Jesus meets us where we are 
with the love that we can show and says, let's start there. So in this way, Jesus saves Peter by returning him to the source of the shame, to the source of the break in relationship. But he does it gently. He doesn't wrap Peter in gauze and bandages. He doesn't avoid a hard conversation. Jesus doesn't pretend that Peter's denials didn't hurt or didn't happen. But neither does Jesus preach, condemn, accuse, or retaliate. He feeds. He feeds Peter's body, and then he feeds Peter's soul. Jesus surrounds the self-loathing disciple with tenderness and safety, inviting him to revisit his worst moment, his failure, for the sake of healing, restoration, and commissioning. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Then feed and tend my sheep. Care for my lambs. I wonder what our failures would feel like if we offered one another the safety that Jesus offers Peter. The safety to return to the heart of our wrongdoing and despair. The safety to wrap fresh language around failure. The safety to experience unconditional love in the midst of shame. Or at least the kind of love that recognizes we're family, even when we push one another's buttons. If we offered each other the safety to try again, what would our witness look like if our church practiced Jesus' version of reconciliation? Around the fire that Jesus builds, Peter's fear and denial evolves into trust and worship. Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. So in the end, Peter realizes that it's what Jesus knows that matters. Jesus knows that we are more than our worst fears and failures. Jesus knows we're prone to self-hatred and shame. Jesus knows the deep places we flee to when we fail. And he knows how to build the fire and prepare the meal that will beckon us back to shore. Jesus' appearance to Peter speaks volumes about God's priorities. In the days following the resurrection, Jesus doesn't waste any time on revenge or retribution. Instead, he spends his time on earth feeding, restoring, and strengthening his friends. He calls Mary Magdalene by name as she cries. He offers his wounds to the skeptical Thomas. He grills bread and fish for hungry disciples. And he heals what's wounded and festering between his heart and Peter's. 
In other words, Jesus focuses on relationship, on reconciliation, on love. And he spends the last days he has before the ascension delivering his disciples and friends from fear, despair, and paralysis. He wastes no time on triumphalism or smugness. Even at the height of his power, he chooses humility. Jesus chooses to linger on a lonely beach until dawn, waiting for his hungry friends to realize how much they need him. But they can't catch anything without him. Jesus chooses to ask Peter an honest and vulnerable-making question, even though the answer will hurt. Jesus chooses to feed and tend his sheep, because that is the process of healing. This is the gospel in the nutshell, beloveds. God choosing to love us and stay with us even when it hurts. And to show us how to choose love and to choose to remain connected even when it hurts. Because such is the nature of healing. Such is the nature of Jesus. And such is the nature that the risen Christ leaves us to grow into. To choose connection and direct relationship, to acknowledge disappointments and failures, and to practice reconciliation and restoration as community, hearing the invitation to come and eat, and then the commission to tend to one another and follow me, follow me still. So may the Holy Spirit give us courage to follow to tend to one another, and to choose love. We will not always get it right. But hear Jesus saying to you, to me, to all of us, that's okay, Providence. We'll start here. Amen. Amen.